0: I'm Mike Ryan and welcome to The Narrative. Now, the pandemic has seen a total corruption of government and bureaucracy globally. The media, it's become derelict in reporting the truth and are complicit with many, many governments and the World Health Organization in the chaos that now prevails. COVID-19 has become politics 101. Scare the hell out of the population. Tell them that you will save them and then get elected or re-elected. As for the media, the incompetence continues. They continue the narrative of the government and keep the panic and fear as a headline and many, many headlines daily. It's all about clickbait. In the UK, the government is wanting to do the second jab, not at the three-week interval, but extended, untested, to 12 weeks, and those that question this have been told they risk undermining public confidence by querying the policy of a three-month gap between doses. Government leaders and public health officials have not provided credible justification for their draconian restrictions on businesses and individuals during this COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, looking at what's been happening in places such as California, uh, New York and Washington, government actions have more to do with politics than science. The lack of transparency and the narrow focus of media on COVID-19 infections has increased public fear and allowed governments the greatest latitude in destroying thousands of small businesses and lives and taking away Individual freedoms. The headline statistic on new infections in the US and in other countries have been alarming, but do we expect to see a downturn in infections soon? And not just because of the vaccine. Dr. Jay Richards, a research assistant professor in the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America and author of The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts turned. A Pandemic into a Catastrophe is our guest, Dr. Richards, thanks for joining us once again. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Last week the World Health Organisation issued a notice cautioning the testing facilities about the interpretation of the polymerase chain reaction test or PCR tests and the risk of these false positives. Do you see any significance in the notice in their notice or of its timing?
1: It is. I think it's quite significant. I mean, those of us that have been following this for months have known this was a problem. In fact, there've been at least three major scientific papers that have come out since May saying that this is a problem. Because the way these tests are done is essentially you take a sample and they have a tiny little bit of maybe a viral, just part of a viral particle, or maybe just a few virus. Particles, and then you basically double the sample polymer polymerase chain reaction. So you're just essentially doubling them with each cycle. And so what that means is that if you cycle it too many times, you can end up, you know, trillions of copies of something, um, and you might just be dealing with a, a fragment of one viral particle. So you're not at all infectious. And so there's always always this danger that you'll do, you'll do it t- for too many cycles. And we've known this is a problem in the United States in particular, we know that uh, in many places, for instance, the, the advice is that you'd never want to do more than about 35 cycles because you're gonna get a false positive because you're amplifying some tiny little bit of something. Mm. And yet In the United States, many places actually were doing it up to 42 cycles, which is just bound to generate false positives. And so the World Health Organization has been frustratingly silent about this until now. We do think we I, if I had to guess, I would say that they are realizing that the scientific community that follows this knows this is a problem and they kind of wanted to get ahead of it so they wouldn't look ridiculous. but I'm frustrated that the World Health Organization didn't issue this advice say last May before we we had the you know the pandemic and the panic of the summer.
0: Do you know if there's uh, any consistency across the uh, the us in how the PCR tests are used and interpreted?
1: No, there's not. I mean, that's what's so frustrating. And so if you looked into the literature, essentially you want to stop definitely by about 35 cycles, but 30 to 35 is the, at least that's the sort of range above which you don't want to go. And so basically what they do with this test is they just keep running cycles until they get some kind of signal. But if you're out 42 cycles before you get a signal, that should be interpreted as a negative, not as a positive uh, case. Unfortunately, different districts do different things. And it's clear that the World Health Organization recognizes this is a problem. That, that is, many places, or uh, medical uh, centers are, are not doing this. They're, they're over-cycling, is why they issued this advisory. And in fact, I've called around and tried to ask people, I, I myself had uh, a positive test and actually symptoms of COVID in November, uh, and I wanted to know, okay, how many cycles did you do before you you, <laughs> you got the signal? Mm. And many of them don't tell you. They won't disclose that. And it really, it's sort of crazy. I mean, uh, we've known for months what they really should be giving you is uh, both positive or negative. And then also, well, it it, it it the signal came in at, say, 25 or it came in at 10 cycles. That's going to tell you how much of a viral load is actually in your system. In other words, how likely you are to actually be contagious. The problem is, is that in the U.S., we're doing now 2 million of these tests every single day. Uh, We're being basically promiscuous in the way we read the tests. And so I think at this point, there's no doubt that we're probably inflating the number of positive tests. And then on top of that, the media is interpreting positive tests as cases. But of course, a case is supposed to be reserved for someone who's sick enough that they seek treatment that then gets a positive test. But if you're testing two million people a day, uh, just because you get a positive test, that doesn't mean that you're dealing with a case. And unfortunately, the American media, at least, has been very
0: bad at explaining this to the public. Well, they don't really know anything past Twitter. They're confused, <laughs> which, which is which is the truth. But it's very sad because the media is supposed to be the adjudicator, the one that asks the hard questions because they have the access to these uh, individuals and organisations and they're not, are they?
1: No, they're not. That's what's so frustrating about this. I mean, the media, you know, I was doing research on this recently. Um, they, they're they very quick to sort of debunk crazy conspiracy theories. And so there was a story that, for instance, the original, uh, the, the guy that developed the, the PCR test had said before he died that no one should ever use it for a diagnostic test. Well, if you sort of do research, he never really said anything quite like that. He had warned about the dangers of misuse. And lots of media outlets have spent time basically debunking fake Twitter memes about the developer of the test, when it, why don't they spend a little more time explaining the real problems and the danger of false positives and how people ought to think about interpreting that? That's what the media ought to be doing. Instead, instead they're really
0: shooting fish in a barrel dealing mm. with the, these internet memes. And they'll be uh, very, very busy deprogramming 75 million Americans, but that's another, that's another story. <laughs> that uh, have the problems associated with the test uh, inflated reporting of U.S. cases? There's no doubt in my mind that that's what's been happening. And so we know
1: that a lot of places that we can't determine exactly, I couldn't tell you what the exact average uh, cutoff uh, cycle, for instance, that an Amer- American medical centers are using. But we know that many uh, centers in the United States have been using 42 cycles. So you could get up to 42 cycles could still be counted as a positive a positive test and then if you conflate test with cases you really kind of in two different ways inflating uh what you're actually dealing with because in the first case not every uh positive test is actually accurate it could actually be a false positive and then if it, even if it is a positive test if a person is asymptomatic they shouldn't be being counted as a case but when you look at the cnn Uh, the covid tracker the daily tracker and they tell you cases what they're really talking about is mere positive tests and so there's no doubt in my mind that we're inflating so-called cases
0: now there's a a vaccine and the democrats won the election and joe biden's going to save our lives Uh, mother therese part two or mark two uh, (laughs) what do you think and, and, and he may believe that too because there's things sure. happening upstairs that shouldn't be happening at the moment with Joe. Yeah. But What do you think will happen with the case reporting and lockdowns?
1: Well, it's funny because on on the one hand, I mean, part of me just sort of hopes that the media is so cynical that, it, you know, that they will sort of immediately say, OK, let's open things up. Of course, they've been committed to the lockdown narrative for so many months that it's going to be hard to pivot. But I can tell you that the mayor of Michigan today, Mayor Whitmer, for instance, has said uh, we need to start opening up the, 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 or that's, rather, the governor, the mayor of Washington, D.C., just three days ago. So right after the inauguration, uh, started loosening things up in mm-hmm. restaurants, I mean, within 24 hours, you have uh, Governor Cuomo um, in in uh, in New York that's saying, "Well, you know, we can't just keep doing these lockdowns because it's destroying local businesses." And the same thing with the mayor of Chicago. And so, I think there's at least some signals uh, that things are going to start liberalizing just just in time for uh, President Biden's <laughs> presidency. And so, it's going to be very strange to watch because, of course, they do it in too obvious. A manner or too mm. quickly, it will be obvious what's happening. But I, I think we're already starting to see that. In fact, the CNN uh, case tracker, I noticed that the day
0: after the inauguration, they actually removed it from their website. Yeah, that's right, as they say on on Fox, uh, what do they call it? A uh, CNN fake news, and it's about <laughs> about the truth. But this transparency, I'm mean, getting off the track here a bit. The transparency that was promised. There was a request for uh, a data uh, in in California mm. about the reasons and the data that show that you have to do the lockdown which we know lockdowns don't right. work anyway but they're not releasing that data you know per that request um where's the, where's the transparency gone it's just gone well, it's just... It's just gone. I mean, the very fact that we don't know that
1: it's actually very hard to find out exactly, mm. you know, how many cycles are doing on these PCR tests. That's it. Should be an obvious thing. It's like being asking what your your uh, cholesterol levels are when mm. you do um do a you know a cholesterol test. They don't tell you whether you have cholesterol or not, right? They give you a number, and yet we can't get the number. And in California, their excuse was that well, these numbers in these tests they're so complex uh, <laughs> that the public, you know, who are very stupid, mm. uh, wouldn't understand it, And so we really don't want to disclose that. Well, I mean, this is what the media is supposed to do. And it's not like it inspires confidence. And so if people wonder, um, you know, why do so many people believe conspiracy theories? Well, the authorities are acting like they have something to hide. It's mm. almost like they're trying to encourage people to generate these theories. Why don't they tell us and explain this information to us? That's what the media is supposed to do. And certainly government uh, could be disclosing that. I honestly think that, that California does have something to hide because I strongly suspect that the data will demonstrate that the lockdowns have made
0: absolutely no difference in hospitalizations or cases. Are you surprised at the probably stupidity of governments around the world? Let me tell you this. Uh, in Australia, um, our vaccine, apparently, uh, the one from Oxford, uh, is 60% effective, which is, uh, mm. worrying. Um, uh, mm-hmm. we have in, um, uh, in the U.S., uh, they were blaming Donald Trump, but in fact, they're using the same method of, uh, or the rollout the same way that he had planned anyway. The problem was this, was various states such as Cuomo and right. uh, Newsom and stuff. They were just not going to do it. Then we have in England. Now this, this one takes, takes the cake. England you know cuz we'd get the vaccine the jab and 3 weeks later you get part 2 of that jab well they've pushed it out now to 12 weeks wow and but yeah, but if anybody says anything bad against that because the the manufacturer says 3 weeks no no mm-hmm. we'll do it in 12 weeks but if you come out against that what happens is that you're a very bad boy and uh, so The question being, if England can do that, can you see under a Biden administration with these uh, wacko states, with the, uh, Mm -hmm. the governors there, that you'll get the first jab, and they'll think, come back and see us in three months' time.
1: Well, it's, that's crazy. I mean, but I, that wouldn't honestly surprise me because you really do get the feeling that they're just shooting from the hip. I mean, I can tell you in New York city, um, all the restaurants, if you walk up and down the streets, people, people aren't allowed to dine inside. Mm. And so what the restaurants have done, of course, is the the dead of winter, the cold of winter in New York city is they have built essentially these wooden shacks outside. So rather than people working, you know, eating inside with good ventilation, they're trapped in these little wooden boxes outside. Outside in the cold with no ventilation. I mean, mm. there's just absolutely no way you could sort of justify this scientifically. Uh, but they, but these these are people making decisions based upon political whims, and I, I can imagine some states or districts in which they're having a hard time rolling out the vaccines and just can't get the second dose in time that they'll just they'll just sort of fudge that. And that's really it's that's really crazy because I mean w- what we're getting is sort of best case scenarios for all of these vaccines you start moving away from the best case scenario. And I mean, we really don't exactly know what value they're going to have.
0: The other crazy thing is uh, in in Australia, in Queensland, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, uh, decided to have a quick lockdown of Brisbane, mm-hmm. which is the major city. Uh, but there was no community cases. Someone in one of the hotels where they where well, you go there to quarantine, someone had caught uh, COVID, but there were no community cases. But she still shut down the city, caused massive gridlock. Uh, and then after being rubbished, basically, by some of the media, that why did you shut it down in the first place? There is no community cases. It's not, there's nothing out there. It's a zero. But uh, still shut it down. All the other states in Australia put on... Don't let anybody in from Queensland or from Brisbane go to your state because you might have something that there were no cases. There was nothing there. Just zero. Her latest thing is that she wants to, instead of having these hotels because of that, that outbreak that got out of the hotel that really didn't happen, she now wants to send them either to, to an island off the coast or to mining camps a thousand miles away in the middle of australia so that they don't contaminate the population now which is which is more ridiculous joe biden's approach the uk government or the queensland government I, i need to know your views
1: uh, the, the the sending people to mining camps. I think that I, I must confess that I actually feel uh, th- there's someplace worse than where I am here in Washington D.C. It sounds like to me, and so you have. I, I think that um, that you all in Australia are uh, you know certainly suffering maybe some of the worst in in the certainly in the Anglo sphere. It's just it's extraordinary.
0: I think they need help from above. Anyway, that's an, that's another story, and probably uh, miracles aren't happening that much these days. So, look, Jay, thank you for talking to us. Enjoy your cocktail tonight. and We'll do more of this later. (laughs) Thanks so much. Great to be with you. Australia Day is the official national day of Australia. Australia Day has always been on January 26. It marks the anniversary of this 1788 arrival of the first fleet at Port Jackson in New South Wales and the raising of the British flag at Sydney Cove by Arthur Phillips. It wasn't until 1935 that all Australian states and territories used the name Australia Day to mark January 26. And it wasn't until 1994 that January 26 became a public holiday across the nation. The conversation around changing the date of Australia Day is part of the mainly leftist council culture movement. And they want it moved or totally abolished. Really, for most Australians, Australia Day is our day to celebrate this great country. And most Australians celebrate it with a barbecue and a beer or Aussie wine. It's a cross between America's July 4 celebrations and Thanksgiving. Senator Malcolm Roberts from One Nation joins us. Uh, Malcolm, first of all, great to see you once again and welcome to 2021.
2: Thank you very much, Mike. And similarly, it's good to be with you again.
0: How will you celebrate Australia Day tomorrow?
2: Well, Australia Day is about celebrating our nation, as you rightly pointed out. It's also, though, about taking stock and and building for the future, seeing where we have to go. And um, I'll be going to Keswick Island up in the Whitsunday Group uh, near Mackay, Proserpine, because we have a group of residents who live on Keswick. They're Aussies. But Keswick Island has been taken over by the Chinese. they bought a significant chunk of Keswick. And they're now putting restrictions on who can use various parts of that island and interfering with people's own private property, as I understand it. So we're going to go up there for a first-hand look and listen. And that's how I'll be celebrating Australia Day.
0: And having a sausage and a piece of white bread with some sauce and maybe a, a good beer too.
2: Well, we're going to go on to uh, one of the beaches there and... Uh, and have a picnic at the beach, a number of people up there. It's not an official protest, but it's uh, we, we just want to go and, and make sure that we can use the beach up in uh, on Keswick mm. and we can also listen to some of the locals. So uh, we will be having a snag and having a bit of a picnic, but we'll be celebrating in style. Hey, Malcolm, what does it
0: mean not only to you but to most Australians, Australia Day?
2: I was talking about... Um, where was I now? i was being interviewed, I can't remember where. Oh, that's right, a radio station in Sydney just last week about the American inauguration ceremony. And he was, uh, the co-host the was talking about how much ceremony there is, how much hoopla, how much razzmatazz. And it's over the top. Australians, exactly as you said before, we like to celebrate informally with a barbecue. Mm. And I think what we're really celebrating, Mike, is our freedom. Freedom to have a barbecue get around in thongs, get around in swimmers, and, and just enjoy ourselves and be natural. It's not the pomp and the cer- ceremony that, that drives Australians. We just are essentially celebrating our freedom, mm. celebrating what it means to be Australian, because you know there are two vital structures in, humans, in human society. All of humanity is based upon these two structures, the family and the nation state. Now the family is a very natural circumstance, and the nation state is also over many years a very natural circumstance. In our case, especially because we're we're basically defined by our borders. That's the end of our country, uh, and and so we need to celebrate that nation state. We need to s- need to see how the government is serving us. We need to unite unite people, not separate. And that's what Australia Day is about. It's about uniting people, not separating people. And too much of this cancel culture, too much of the uh, Australia on another date is about separating and alienating and sadly Mike that's about creating victims, mm. people who are victims and that weakens the victims so that's a very very sad and sorry state of affairs but we'll be celebrating the freedom, the informality, the things that are that Australian values, mateship, um, the, the opportunity to give a fair go and have a fair go, uh, being fair dinkum, telling the truth, relying on each other, caring, so nation, family these are the basic things about Australia that, that we'll be celebrating.
0: Independent MP Zali Stegall has called for Australians to observe a minute's silence on Australia Day to recognise the price paid by Indigenous Australians during colonisation. Your thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, there are some things that we are not proud of in our history, just like every country is not mm. proud of in its history. But what about celebrating a, a, an hour of silence for celebrating the achievements that we have brought to this country think about the way the indigenous lived before before Europeans arrived and think about the way they can potentially live now there's still a lot to fix but we don't close the gap by focusing on the gap we eliminate differences by making sure that everyone is given the opportunity to move ahead that's what's really important and what Zali Stegall is doing just like in so many of her ignorant policies She's causing separation and disunity, which will put back the cause of the Aboriginals in this country. We need to uplift the Aboriginals and give them a better go and let them take responsibility, but give them an opportunity to take that responsibility. We need to build and and unite, not separate and mourn.
0: Uh, Finally, the uh, two of the great Aussie institutions, one being Bunnings and the other one being the Australian cricket side and cricket... Uh, you, uh, Bunnings, for example, in Townsville um, do not want people to come along tomorrow uh, with the Australian flag, anything to do with Australia, because to them it's just January 26th and a day off. And the Australian cricket board um, tomorrow at the cricket just don't want to recognise that it's Australia Day. What would you say to that? I mean, first of all, you Bunnings. I mean, Bunnings are the great gourmet restaurant in Australia. They've got white bread, sausages, mustard and some uh, sauce, onions if you feel brave, uh, and it's delightful, and tools and stuff to buy, but very Australian. Then you've got cricket. Cricket is one of our, it is the great pastime in summer for Aussies, and yet you've got both institutions saying, nah, we don't want to recognise Australia Day.
2: Well, it's ridiculous, and and you ask me what I think about it, I don't think much about it at all, mm. uh, and I could care less. What I would rather do is focus on the positives and celebrate those positives, and and have a have a glass of light beer, mm. uh, or whatever people want. You know, my my light beer is is, is as much as I take, but uh, um, whatever people want, just celebrate it. If you want to drink cordial, but just celebrate the uniquenesses in Australia, the values we have, the freedom we enjoy, and the and the mateship that we have in our country. It's unique around the world Mm. and uh, I've been to many, many different countries and it's so unique. So we need to celebrate those, celebrate family, celebrate. Don't focus on Bunnings, don't focus on the cricket board. They've lost, Mm. They're, they're woke. Just focus on what is so good about our country.
0: Senator Malcolm Roberts, have a great Australia
2: Day. Thank you very much, you too. And same with all your viewers.
0: Tomorrow, I'm celebrating Australia Day with a backyard barbie and a beer maybe two. As they say at the cricket, and I imagine tomorrow at the cricket, they'll be saying this loud and proud. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I'm Mike Ryan.